there was a storm out. It was Saturday, and me and Miguel were in his bed, and I was slowly, slowly, slowly sitting him down on my cot. We had gotten to a point where he could come hands-free, like, every single time in certain positions. Like, he liked reverse cow, reverse cowgirl, and he liked missionary, but only when I would put... (laughs) I would put his, um, I'd pin his knees, like, back almost to, like, his ears, and I'd pound him on top, and it would hit his spot, like, and he would jump, and, like, he could come that way. It was, it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. Um, but the rain was coming down so hard after we finished making love. We just sat in his bed listening to the rain. That sound. You know, if I if I find a good sound, I'll edit it in and we'll we'll talk and you'll hear the rain in the background. And I think that might sound cool. If it doesn't sound too corny, like I think we should do that. So it's sitting here. I mean, we're sitting here in his bed and it's raining and something about the silence and the rain, it just it prompts those like those deep felt heart heartfelt conversations and i remember at some point you know we're in bed for hours and we talk and we talk and we talk and when we're out of words to say we just sit and look at each other and at some point we go under the covers and he pulls his phone out and puts the light on so that we can kind of see each other And I don't know if it was the shelter of the blankets, the sound of the rain. I don't know what it was. But he opens up even further and he says, I'm so free with you. And I feel like my go-to phrase is, what do you mean? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he says, I can make mistakes with you. When I'm with you, it's like, I can't make mistakes. And I was listening, and he said, it's like, I'm nobody's father. I'm nobody's husband. I'm nobody's ex, nobody's boyfriend. I'm nobody's boss. I'm just something else. I feel so light. And it drew me back to this conversation, the same conversation I was having with Michael. And Michael said, in a very similar, not similar situation, but we were in his bed and he was telling me like, you know why I kissed you? And I was like, why? He's like, cause you're so seductive. I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, you're just, you're not tied down to anything. You just float. Everybody around you sees it. You're not tied to the job. You're not tied to a significant other. Nobody knows who you are, where you come from, but you're so fucking nice. And I just had to laugh. I just had to laugh. I I didn't know what to make of it. And he said to me, 
you know what you do in a way is kind of like therapy. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, when people talk, you listen. And you listen in a way that makes them talk and talk and talk. And people feel safe with you. And as we're laying there under these sheets, my mind drifted to another thought. This day, me and Junior had nothing to do, and we just kind of were driving around the city, doing a bunch of nothing. Um, We decided to stop at the beach and just hang out there for a couple hours. And me and Junior hanging out at this beach, the sun's starting to set, the, the cool breeze has kicked in, and it's it's just one of those days you're just feeling nice. Like everything is just so beautiful. And we're sitting next to each other. And out of nowhere, he puts his arms around me and he just hugs me from the side. And I let him and I run my fingers through his hair just very nicely and calmly. And completely, completely non-sexual. Like I've always said me and Junior have had like this thing, like this unspoken thing like I understand him and he gets me and like when we're touching like this and when we're physically touching like it's nothing sexual even that even the time where we actually had even the time where we actually had sex like it was sex yes but it was more just like in I how I felt about it in the moment was I was just acting out of my emotions it wasn't like I physically wanted him in that sort of way. And I feel like he was really fucking with me just to kind of make a point. And maybe he was horny too. I mean, we were both horny, but still. So anyway, like when we touch and like when we when we hug each other and when I play with his hair or he rubs my back, like it's, it's I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds weird, but it's not sexual. Like it's not sexual in many ways. Uh, this is a little too much and I don't mean it fully this way, but you ever, have you ever had somebody that you were so that just understood you like almost like a brother. That's what it, that's what it is. That's what it feels like. It feels like we were like brothers and like we weren't, I mean, now that seems kind of weird, but it wasn't sexual. It was just like, closer than friends, but not lovers. Anyway, we're sitting here on this beach and he says to me, thank you. And I thought he was talking about for like rubbing his hair or whatever. And he was like, no, I, I said, what do you mean? He said, thank you for just, thank you. And I laughed. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, my dad is just, He's been so different since you've been around. You know, at this point, I've never actually admitted to having sex with Junior's father. But I know that he knows and he knows that, you know, we know. And he says to me, that's how I knew. That's how I knew. Before I, before I met you, before I met you, 
I knew my father was seeing somebody. And when you came over that time, talking about Anthony's party, he said, I knew it was you. I knew it was you, even though I couldn't believe that my dad would ever, you know, swing that way. I knew it was you. And when you left the party and my dad walked you out, I snuck out the back window and I came around to watch you guys say goodbye. And I saw him kiss you. And I just kind of sat there. I didn't have anything to say. I was just that. Uh, cool. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was I, like, we're so close. But at the same time, like, it, it, I couldn't help but feel awkward in this moment. And he's like, you know, ever since then, like, our relationship has gotten better. And I've learned how to trust him. And I've learned how to let my guard down around him. And we're better for it. So thank you. I didn't have much to say to that. I didn't have much to say to that, but I was just kind of absorbing what he was telling me. Junior told me that he knew his father was happy. He said, because when his father's happy, he sings. And I remember the first time I ever heard his voice was at Anthony's party. And Jessica was there. The whole family was there. And he was singing just to himself, just some song. And it, like, in the noise of everything that was going on, the sound of his voice carried over all of that and, like, touched me. And I turned to listen to him. And then I remember Jessica saying something, interrupting his, his voice with some, I don't remember what she wanted, but it was some sort of, it was, it was something having to do with, like, I don't know, like, did you get the such and such from the store type of thing? Like, something that wasn't really that, I don't know, it just didn't feel like it deserved interrupting, interrupting such a beautiful voice. And then, as I'm thinking about it, like, just talking about it now, it's like, the man has a gift. And something happens when somebody has a gift and they're not seen. It can't be seen or heard. It kills their spirit. When I think about this idea about listening to people and hearing them out, I've always been fascinated by people, their stories, what makes them tick. It didn't occur to me that so many people just didn't have somebody to listen. When I heard Miguel sing at Anthony's party, he was at the grill. Like, we're not talking about being on a stage and belting out the Star Spangled Banner or something like that. Like, he was just kind of lightly humming underneath his breath. I mean, breath. Underneath his, but yeah, humming underneath, whatever. He was humming, right? Like, just kind of like mumble singing. And I was sitting maybe, he was standing at the grill. 
I was sitting maybe at a table 20 feet away from him. And in between us, family, friends, Jessica, nobody else stopped to listen. But when I heard his voice, it stopped my world. I had to listen. I was compelled to listen. And it was lost on me that so many people don't have people not only just to listen to them, but people who listen without wanting anything from them, without needing anything from them. A lot of people, I guess, don't have somebody who really just wants to know who they are. And I've met, I've met plenty of people who don't want to be found. Like, I know a lot of people who, whose survival is contingent on, at least they believe, on not being seen for who they are. I've been told so many times, so many times, that you ask a lot of questions, or why do you want to know that? Or why are you asking that? And it's really just because when I, when I meet somebody and when I'm getting to know somebody, they're like, it's like trying to paint a picture in a dark room. And these questions are like sonar or echolocation. And I bounce a question at the wall and I can see it's a miss or I can see it's a hit. And I ask so many questions where I get a picture of what it is that I'm looking at. And then somewhere in painting that dark picture, the light gets switched on and then you really connect. And I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't realize, apparently, that that's not normal. And if it's not normal, who wants to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't not only see them, but doesn't really want to see them? What the fuck is that? Like, I don't know. I met this girl at the gym. Her name was, we'll call her Roxanne. I liked Roxanne because she seemed, always seemed kind of like sophisticated to me. Um, and I, I liked her and I was drawn to her because she always just seemed so unhappy and everybody would call her, you know, the B word. Um, honestly, I really think I really, they said it was cause she had attitude. I really think it was just that she was a very beautiful girl and she didn't have the time of day to appease a lot of people's egos. Um, she was very short with her. So people called her the B word, you know, you know how it is. Um, and I mean, okay, so how do I explain this? We used to have these cookies. They were protein cookies. And every other flavor, to me personally, and maybe to her, and this is probably the reason why I kind of liked her, was we were very particular about this particular type of cookie. <clears throat> and they they tasted so good. Like, they were on par with, like, bakery cookies. But they were, like, healthy and full of protein. Um, so she was really into them. I was really into them and we were always out of them. I don't know why our vendor never had them, like would barely have them in stock. So we wouldn't get them that much. Um, so I would always try to set like one or two aside in the drawer in case she asked for them. Um, and so that way I'd always have them, but 70, 30% of the time, 70% of the time we didn't have them. Um, and she was just really she had, she had a kid. She had a newborn. By the time I met her, her kid was probably like 
seven months old. I think that counts as a newborn, right? Her kid was like seven months old. And she would take the kid into the daycare while she worked out. <clears throat> Her husband also worked out at the gym. He was this guy. His family had a lot of money. Um, I didn't really associate with him that much. He always seemed kind of like a dick to me. Um, yeah, I just didn't associate with him that much. But people used to joke that, well, not joke, but they would infer that the reason why such a beautiful girl was with a guy that wasn't so great looking. Um, and didn't have like the best attitude was because of his money. And I never really felt like that, that, that was her. I never really felt like that was her. Somehow I knew, somehow I felt anyway, that she married him because she really loved him. And that really made me feel sad for her because I could tell that she wasn't getting what she wanted. She would just come in. She was very short with people. Um, and when I would, when I would ask her how her day was doing, she would actually kind of talk to me a little bit and she would just talk about, she would comment. She would say, Oh, I'm fine. But a lot of times she would make, she would roll her eyes or like give an exasperation. Or even one time I remember she said something to the effect of how difficult it was being a new mother. Um, and I have this thing, especially, especially like a lot of parents don't think that their, their kids can understand them when they can't talk. I really, I just don't like it. Um, <clears throat> and I remember one day, our system tells you when you check in that it's your birthday. And I remember one day she checked in and it was her birthday. And I was like, oh, happy birthday. And she looked at me kind of like, Shocked, like, how did she know? I said, well, the computer tells us. And she turned and walked away, but I could see the tears well up in her eyes. And I I don't know what it was. I was going on break and I was like, I got to do something. And I knew that the health food store down the street carried our cookies. And I had a friend that worked there who would bring me the boxes of the, who could bring me the boxes of the cookies before they open them up and distribute them. And he would let me buy them by the box. So I ran over to the store and I got her a box of these cookies. Usually we sell them individually and to see them in a box. Like to me, when I saw them in the box, I was like, Oh my God, like the, but you know, like that, that the, the choir opens up. Ah! That's what it was like when, uh, when I first saw the box for the first time, I was like, I'm going to go get her cookies. So I went and I got her a box of cookies and I went to the craft store that was like a couple stores down and I wrapped like a bow around it. And then when she was on her way out, I said to her again, happy birthday. And I handed her the box of cookies. And she was so shocked. And she just lost it. She started crying and she picked up her kid who was in the, like those little carry-on thingies. Um, and she just beelined for the door. I mean, she said, thank you. She said, thank you. But she was like, she barely got thank you out before the tears started to fall. And she grabbed the cookies. <laughs> she, good girl. She, she grabbed the cookies. She didn't leave the cookies behind. She grabbed the cookies. She picked up her kid and she just bounced. When I saw her the next day, she just seemed full of light and energy. And she said, you know, you were the only person 
who wished me happy birthday. And I didn't argue with her, but I found it hard to believe. I was like, nobody wished you happy birthday. And we started to talk. And I found out just how alone she was in her marriage. Now, granted, this story takes place before I met Miguel, shortly before I met Miguel. Um, this is just me and one of my members. And we started talking, me and this girl started to talk quite often. She would come in, we would exchange words, and it got a little bit more personal to where she would started to tell me about like her husband's shortcomings, how he didn't really have make time for her, um, that the sex wasn't really all that great, but she fell in love with him regardless. She said in the beginning, things were really good. And then somewhere along the line, she realized that he didn't love her the way that she loved him. She said he was the first man that made her feel special. And once they got married, and once they had a kid, she realized that she was just a trophy. She was another, <clears throat> excuse me, she was another one of his accomplishments. You know, he had the money. He went to the good school. All he was missing was the wife and the kid. And now he had that and she felt used. <sighs> I don't think she was coming on to me. I don't think she was coming on to me, but We had sex. We had sex and I made it my mission to, I made it my mission to show her what her husband wouldn't. I went back, we went back to her house when she knew he would be away. And it was a big mansion. Um, big everything, big bed, and I fucked her in the showers, softly, tenderly. I made sure that I held her in the ways that I knew that she was missing. I remember the way that she would moan when I would kiss in between her thighs and eat her out, and I mean... Dick isn't everything, but I could tell with her, like, she was very pleased by my size. And she deserved it. She deserved every bit of love that I gave her. And you know what? Her husband deserved every inch that I gave her. I don't understand how people trap people in relationships and abandon them. I remember after... One of the times after we made love, I told her straight up, I said, I'm gay. And she was like, shut the fuck up. And I was like, no, I'm serious. I'm gay. She was like, you're serious? And then she screamed and she jumped on top of me and she was like, this is so cool. We can be friends. I didn't really know how to feel about that, but I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, and it was cool. It was cool after that. Like, 
we actually became really good friends. Her husband ended up wanting her to stop going to our gym and go to one of the fancier gyms across town. Somebody, one of his country club buddies probably got in her ear, got in his ear or something. And he decided that, that wasn't the club for her. So she started going to another club across town. Um, but we still talk. We still talk. All of these thoughts are running through my head as Miguel and I are locked in embrace. And I don't really have the words to tell him how much he means to me. So I use my body and I let my body do the talking. I just hold him tight and kiss him softly. That's how we talk.